Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So, Colin, last week our friend Frederica uh, decided to make a plan for how to become resilient. And I really liked that episode. I liked that we kept it reasonable. And today we're just going to take that a step further. Um, the next step in the framework is once you have your plan of action, it's to actually go out and acquire the skills, knowledge, and assets required to make that plan possible, right? And when you hear this, like, you might think, how are you going to make an entire episode about how to gain skills and knowledge and assets? Just go watch some YouTube videos or whatever and you're good, right? And for sure, for some people that might work, right? But I do think um, with everything, the more organized you can be, the more thoughtful you can be about what you're doing, the more success you're going to have in the long run, the likelier you are to reach your goal. Yeah, and it's interesting because there is so much content out there on every topic. And yet, sometimes that makes it almost more challenging. Oftentimes, when I know that I need to learn more about a particular subject, I don't really know where to start. And that can be especially intimidating with something that you feel like you're a newcomer, you know, to that topic. So when it comes to being prepared, being more resilient, oftentimes we come into it with certain strengths, certain things that we, we feel like we already know quite a bit about, but everybody is going to have gaps somewhere. And if, if you, if those gaps happen to line up with your biggest risks or, or the, your biggest needs, then it becomes really important to figure out where do I go? How do I actually methodically ensure that I can gain all the knowledge, the skills, the assets or resources that I need to in order for my plan to not just be something that's on paper? Like this is where the rubber really hits the road, right? Yeah, this this is like as far as the time goes required to become resilient, this is like 99% of, of what it takes to become resilient is actually – putting the work in and you don't want to waste time, right? You don't want to waste mental energy. You don't want to get burned out. The truth is um, we're going to be learning things in our journey that we know nothing about. And that can feel like drinking from a fire hose. And it's really important to not let yourself get 
overwhelmed uh, in the process because if you do burn out, then you get to the point where you just say, screw it, I'm not going to be able to meet my goal. I'm not going to be able to learn this. I'm not going to be able to attain that. Whatever it is, I'm 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 giving up, right? And that doesn't do anybody any good. So we'll just take the next, um, the, this next episode, we're going to just, we're going to walk through this. So I think the first thing to, to clarify, or I guess to mention, we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about assets and how to obtain assets, right? We will go into depth in later episodes, I think, about different different ways that one can go about obtaining like a physical asset. The most obvious is to go purchase something, right? But I do think it's it's prudent right now to mention like you have to be careful about gear and assets. Like a lot of people look at prepper gear and they like geek out on the coolest, most expensive, craziest technologies or whatever that they can buy and that's prepping to them right but in reality that's that's not going to get you where you need to be so you know i think of like a, a swiss army knife i could buy a swiss army knife that has 36 different tools on it right and it's bulky and weird to carry and i'm only ever going to use two of those tools and they're the whole thing is kind of cheap because they had to pack so many tools into it so like find the two tools that you're going to use and buy a really good quality set of those tools leave the other 34 out like it's not about the quantity of the gear that you have or the coolness of the gear that you have or whatever it really does come down to practicality and quality so anyway that's just kind of a side note to think about when 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 you're talking about prepping don't get caught up in the um trendy like websites they're going to try and sell you all sorts of stuff that you don't need because it's a big market right like I don't know how big the prepping industry is, but people are out there spending a crazy amount of money on things that they don't need when they might not know how to do the most basic of things that really are going to be 90% of what they need. Yeah. There may be individuals who have plenty of money, like plenty of resources and like they can go buy all the fancy prepper stuff. And that's fine. If that fits their situation. Great. Most of us are not in that situation. And it, it, there, like you said, there is a big market. It's really interesting that you mentioned this now because just like two days ago, probably because I like to research this stuff, um, an, an advertisement popped up when I was watching a YouTube video and it was this flashlight that is so high powered that apparently you can like start a fire with it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, so it's like, not only will it give you this really bright light, and, you know, if somebody tries to attack you, you can like blind them. Mm -hmm. um, but also, if you need to start a fire, you can start a fire with it. And I haven't looked into that flashlight a whole lot. Maybe that is a really useful tool. Um, but my guess is if you're actually in a situation where you need to start a fire, you're going to be much better off with something else that's much less expensive. At the end, you know, it was saying, this is like military grade flashlight and it normally it costs $2,000, but you can get it for only like 500 or something, <laughs> right? It's like some wow. crazy amount of money right. for a flashlight. And I think that's the kind of thing you're talking about, that uh, we have to be very careful about how we prioritize the resources that we have. Uh, you talked about, we don't want to burn out. We don't want to waste our time or our energy, but also when we're actually purchasing something, we don't want to waste our money yeah. and purchasing equipment, gear, you know, what, whatever it is, what assets, um, is only one method for obtaining the assets that we need. And, and that's something, like you said, we'll talk about in more detail in the future. Absolutely. And this is not to talk down on the importance of assets. Assets are necessary. You have to have certain tangible things in order to be able to be resilient, right? I think of like uh, a winter coat is an asset right? A good pair of like boots is an asset. And those are things that like are pretty necessary. If you live in certain climates, you wouldn't try and survive a cold winter without a coat. That's an asset that's going to take you much further and get, you know, help you out a ton. And it's a reasonable one to purchase. But we're talking more about like the tactical, if you've heard that phrase before, gear that just is over the top, super expensive and unnecessary. Again, if you have all the money to spend on it, like, sure, I'm sure that, that that stuff can can be useful, 
but just be reasonable and make sure that before you buy that stuff, you are buying the necessary stuff, the stuff that is going to take you further. Okay, that's it on assets. The next part, let's talk about the difference between skills and knowledge. Knowledge is, I mean, obviously it's something that you learn, right? It, it is an asset. It's a type of asset, right? But it, it's one that, um, depending on how you go about it, you can obtain for free and that no one can take from you. It stays with you forever uh, as long as you're keeping up on it. But skills is basically just knowledge applied, right? It's knowing how to take that knowledge and then use it in specific situations to do something. So in the situation that we're talking about here, we're going to talk a little bit about, about both. But I think it's important to acknowledge that those two things are really closely tied together. And by acquiring one, you're able to much more closely acquire the other. Yeah, and I think you're right that there's a lot of overlap there. There are certain things like maybe being able to take a certain type of plant and turn that into food that you have to have the knowledge, right? And and you when, when you apply it, that's a skill. There are other things that just having the knowledge and trying to apply it, you will not have the skill, right? Oftentimes there are skills that only come through a lot of work to be able to get good at that thing. Right. I can watch thousands of hours of soccer on TV, which I do. I like soccer. That's my hobby, right? But uh, you can throw a ball at my feet and it doesn't mean that I'm going to be as good as the people I'm watching, right? I might understand the tactics and understand what they're doing, but it doesn't make me good. I have to, to acquire that skill, apply not just the knowledge, but the the repetitive process of honing in that skill and getting better at it. So we'll talk a bit more about that, but um, let's jump in. So what, what we've done here is we've done a little bit of a, a loose framework, I would say. There are a lot of different frameworks out there for how to learn a new skill. I think they're all generally the same idea. I looked through a bunch of them. I learned a bunch of them and I kind of just took what I felt was the most necessary here. And what's interesting as I was going through those is I realized that they very closely mirror our framework that we've created for becoming resilient. There's some differences, right? But along, along the same lines, um, you can use our framework that we've already learned up to this point and apply it to learning a new skill. So the first step uh, is going to be making a goal for what you want to learn. And I think for this, it might be good to take Frederica again, use some of the same scenarios we talked about last time with her and, and go that route just to kind of visualize it. So last time, well, Ken, why don't you go ahead and give us a quick overview of Frederica and, and kind of her situation? Yeah. If you'll remember that she's, um, a little bit older. She's got kids and grandkids. She wants to be able to take care of them to a certain degree. She set some specific goals on that. Uh, she has some concerns around medications and being able to, you know, make sure she'd be okay if she can't reach a pharmacy. There are some natural disasters in her area that she's particularly concerned about um, with like tornadoes and, you know, winter weather. And she knows that she needs to learn how to get by if all of a sudden there's not electricity or there's not gas available for, for her to be able to heat her home. Yeah. And so you, we had made basically a plan for her and you'd given some really simple things that she was going to try and do. I remember you said like fix the latch on her tornado shelter, right? Um, she was going to learn, at least do some research on how she could um, gather more medicine in case she couldn't make it to the pharmacy. And then that last one that you just mentioned, which was um, if, if her house lost its heat source, which is gas, what could she use as a backup source of heat in those nasty winters? And she did not know where to start at all, right? And I think that's a great um, place to start is to say, if we were Frederica, how could we apply this framework essentially to begin that process of learning how to keep ourselves warm if needed. So number one would be to set a goal, right? And it's the same as our number one step in our framework, which is um, have a desired outcome. So in this case, her goal could be as broad as just saying, I want to be able to heat my home in the case that my gas is no longer available, right? In a, in a failure of utilities. As she gets learning, she can start to set 
more either more specific goals or sub goals, right? When you first are learning about something, and if you're not used to doing research and learning things, you might be like, like, I don't know how to set a more specific goal than that. The goal is just to achieve that knowledge in the end. If you already know, like, the way that you want to do that, for example, if Frederica knew, I'm, I want to buy a, a stove, like a wood burning stove. Um, I'm going to have it installed in my house and I'm going to use that. Now she might say, okay, my goal is to learn how to start a fire in that wood burning stove and keep it burning for a consistent amount of time. Or I want to know or learn the skill or, or gain the asset, right, of um, fuel for that fire. How do I chop firewood? Where do I find it? How do I haul it? Where do I store it? How do I make sure it's ready when I need it? Each one of those can be a sub goal that she sets for herself. Uh, she knows what will have to, you know, she'll know when she's succeeded because she can basically check off that box. So it's an obvious one, but make sure you know what it is you're trying to achieve before you get started. Um, the second one, this is, uh, this is a fun one because it's, it's kind of a framework within a framework um, and it's to assess your level of competency. So, um, Kellen, have you heard of the four levels of competency before? I don't think so. So this is a framework that's used. Um, it, it can really be used in a wide array of learning any skill. It's used a lot in professional settings, I believe, um, learning a new skill at work. Um, but it can be used on a personal level as well. So basically, this idea that there's four different levels of competency. And it's important to know where you're at to know what gaps you need to make up to reach your goal. So uh, here's the four. The first is unconscious incompetence. Second is conscious incompetence. Third is conscious competence. And the fourth is unconscious competence. So uh, to kind of just explain those real quick, unconscious incompetence is basically to say you don't know what you don't know, right? You have no idea what there is to learn. You might have a vague idea of, of what it is you want to accomplish, but you really don't know what it takes to get there. This is maybe the most dangerous area to be in because if it ever came time for you to use that skill, you simply would do it incorrectly, um, which could be detrimental to your energy, your health, your safety. Um, it just wouldn't work out. So uh, how do we handle that? Well, one of the main ways, the main strategies for getting out of that one and quickly into the next one, which is conscious incompetence, is to come up with a SWOT analysis to figure out um, where are you at? What knowledge do you have of the subject? Write it all down. What weaknesses do you have in the area? What strengths do you have? What resources do you have at your command? Um, basically just gives you the ability to take a higher level look at what you need in order to learn how to do this skill. Which SWOT analysis, like we talked about before, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And and I love that we've talked about that at a broader level, just in terms of my overall resiliency. But But then to be able to get more granular and say, in this one particular topic, I need to do a little bit of an assessment here. So it sounds like, at least for Frederica, because she's gone through the exercises that we've talked about, she's built this plan of action. She at least knows that she has a, a gap here, that there's there's consciousness around her incompetence, right? That's right. So to be consciously incompetent, it means that you know what your gap is and you can see the path towards a, a, achieving it. You can basically say, look, I know that I have no idea how to build a fire at all. But I basically know what I need to do in order to figure that out. So you have to be super honest with yourself and and rate yourself at where you're at on this skill level. There's nothing more dangerous than somebody who thinks they know how to do something, right? And feels that complacency and says, I can do it. And then when the time comes, they can't. And we know, we all know people like that, right? Who like talk this talk, but they cannot walk the walk and um, they look foolish. Well, and I think about like the Texas freeze and uh, there were a number of people who died because of carbon monoxide poisoning as they were using generators to heat their home. Right. And for them, they probably thought like, I have this generator. I'm safe. 
And, and so like you said, it's just so it can, it can be literally fatal. It can be that dangerous if we think we know something that we don't know. Yeah. Being honest with ourselves and really um, taking the time to assess where we're at. Like if those people would have would have really learned like how do you use this and what's the safe way to use this generator? How do I make sure that I'm not going to poison myself when I'm trying to to utilize this to heat my home? Like they'd be just fine now. Right. Uh, so I think you make a really good point. And they, frankly, they would have been better off if they were consciously incompetent, right? They would have been less likely to freeze to death if they just hadn't used the generator at all. If they had said, I know that I don't know how to use this generator. I'm not going to attempt to use it right now. I'm going to do what I do know and get some blankets and try and stay warm. They probably would have been better off than having given themselves carbon monoxide poisoning. So it's better to know your limits and go based off of those than to guess and get it deadly wrong. Um, So yeah, from there you're in the, you're in the consciously incompetent zone. And in that zone, you're, you're now, your goal is to get to the consciously competent so that basically that's just setting up saying listen this is how we're going to go about learning the skill right i now know what the gap is and i kind of know what i need to do to bridge that gap so we can start to say what is the the method by which we want to learn this how do i learn best right do i learn strictly by doing am i a visual learner do i enjoy podcasts um am i better if i'm reading a book or if i'm um speaking one-on-one with somebody who knows how to do it there are tons of different ways to learn how to do something. You might be the type of person that wants to use different mediums, right? And that might be a great way to do it is um, have a podcast that goes into great details about something. Meanwhile, you know somebody who can walk you through it one by one or one on one, you know, step by step to make sure you're doing it right. There's There's many different ways to learn. Each person learns differently. So we need to figure out how do we learn best and start to um, start to go about just doing? And I think not only is it how we learn best, but it should also match the task at hand. For example, if I want to learn how to protect myself and, and use a handgun, I probably shouldn't just read a book on it. Right. Right? Like I'm going to want to take a class, a course, have somebody teach me and show me and make sure I'm doing it correctly and I'm being safe. Whereas maybe I want to learn uh, how to set up water catchment. And that's something I could probably go watch a YouTube video. And and that would be right. a more appropriate way to learn in that case. It's like a, it's a one-time thing that you're going to do. You apply it once, right? By actually doing the thing. You set up your water catchment system. You don't have to become a perfectionist at at daily setting up a water catchment system. But firing a weapon, you might need to become proficient in doing that on a continual basis or being able to do it in the moment in which you need to do it. So yeah, there's totally a different type of skill set there for sure and therefore a different way that you would go about learning it. Absolutely. When I learn something big, um, if I'm learning something new, I like to, to break it down into pieces to help myself figure out what it is I need to learn. Because at first, it's this big jumble of like, uh, like there's so much to this that I don't, I don't even know where to start. And so if I can, I usually will start by either reading or doing a YouTube video. A lot of times, the best thing you can do, find a book on the topic. You don't even have to buy the book. Find the table of contents, right? And the table of contents is probably going to break down pretty well for you the different parts of what it takes to learn this thing. And so if you can say, like, if you can look at a book on, on how to start a fire, right, and it's got a different chapters, you can quickly see, okay, look, these are the different things I need to learn about. Even if I don't want to pay for this book right now, I can go and now go to YouTube or go to Google and search for an article or a blog or listen to a podcast or whatever on each of these different areas and figure out how to, how to do it. So I, I like to, personally, I like to set an outline for myself and usually someone else has set an outline for you out there, whether it's on a blog or an article or YouTube video. I love that. And one thing I'll say here is I think um, having some sort of accountability is really important. Um, it, you know, if, if you, you're in school, you're going to learn about a topic and then there will be an assessment. And uh, something that measures your proficiency is really important. But also being in that sort of a 
an environment where like you're accountable to how well you have learned. If you're trying to learn something on your own, being able to like have someone else that you can talk to about it, maybe they're also learning about it and you're sharing with each other, or maybe it's somebody who's already an expert at it and you can go kind of make sure you're learning things correctly. Uh, so the accountability side and also assessing your proficiency as you go, I think are just really critical to making sure you do it the right way. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Absolutely. That's a great point. And I think um, one little hint, not hint, but like a uh, an extra tip or, or strategy that I'd put here later is to make sure you're keeping records of everything. You're writing things down so you can actually see your progress. And um, if you don't have someone to keep you accountable, you can keep yourself accountable at the very least by checking your skill levels um, against, you know, again, depending on the type of skill there are things out there that show where you should be at, you know, what it means to be proficient in something. Great. So then um, you're on your way going this route to becoming consciously competent, which basically means that you're able to do something, you're practicing it, you're being repetitive. Basically, you are able to have a checklist of what it takes to satisfactorily accomplish a skill, right? And maybe you're still having to think about it, you know, you're mentally going through that checklist, you're making sure as you're completing this skill, and then you're able to by the end say, okay, I've done this. So we'll use the example of shooting a firearm, right? You might be able to think to yourself and go through the process of, okay, you know, safety's off, I've checked my surroundings, I, I know where my target is and, and go through each step to safely firing a firearm and hitting your target. Um, the next step after that, is basically once you've mastered it, you've become unconsciously competent. It is a skill that you now have within you. It is part of you. You can now draw your weapon and fire with without even thinking about it. But you're still, you have, it becomes muscle memory, right? Um, the greatest soccer players in the world, just going back to that example, you know, Lionel Messi right now, for example, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's having to think much about what he's doing. It's just there because he's spent so many hours making it become his, who he is, right? And I think we see this across the board. You know, it's easy to think of examples of like physical skills, right? Like you said, drawing a weapon or as the soccer ball is coming in, being able to trap the ball and, and control it. Like that muscle memory is something that I think people relate to, but also other skills like communication, the more that you practice being able to have difficult conversations with people, the more natural and easy it becomes. Or if you're trying to become more persuasive, right? The more that you're practicing skills of persuasion, the easier it's going to be each time and the less that you'll have to think about it. And on that note, do we always need to become unconsciously competent in something, right? Probably not. We cannot become unconsciously competent in everything and it would be a waste of time and energy to try and do that. Um, we have talked about in the past about kind of the, the idea of being a jack of all trades. And there's always this argument about the importance of specialization versus generalization. And, and in preparation and resiliency, I think generally the generalization wins out. Um, it is important to know how to do a lot of things and be consciously competent so that if you have to, you can run through that checklist and do that thing when the time comes. 
if you were to try and become unconsciously competent, if you were trying to become a natural expert in everything, you would probably fail at all of them. My wife makes fun of me because I, I'm like a hobby, I don't even know if this makes sense, a hobby learner. I like to obsess over little things of learning something new every few months. <laughs> so some examples might be, and this is going to show how nerdy I am with certain things, but like I, I can't have just downtime. I have to be learning something new. So right now it's pickleball. Why? I don't know. I, someone showed it to me and I thought it was super fun. So now I'm like, I'm like in my free time watching YouTube videos on pickleball and I'm reading the rules and I'm learning who like the professional, the best pickleballs, pickleballers in the world are. And now I'm going to the park and I'm playing, right? Am I ever going to become unconsciously competent at pickleball? No way, right? I, I like, I'm probably going to play it for a few months and I'm going to get to a point where I can hold my own against people and then I will stop playing unless I'm invited, right? And then when I'm invited and I go play, I can hold my own still and I can kind of remember how to do it. And, and I won't be like spectacular, but good enough that people be like, oh, you've played pickleball before and you know the rules, you know? Um, other stupid things. I, one time, this was a decade ago, I randomly said, I'm going to learn how to like the art of memorization. And I learned how to memorize. I memorized the first thousand digits of pi. That is not useful. I, that's so silly. I'm never going to use that. But for some reason, I thought that'd be fun. I'll try that. I learned how to, I memorized a deck of cards in like 90 seconds or something. Now, the people who do this like full time and they go to these memorization tournaments, they can recite a deck of cards or memorize a deck of cards in like 13 seconds, right? Um, they can memorize, I can't remember what the world record is. It was like 60,000 digits of pi or something like that. I did 1,000 digits. Again, that's a stupid example because it's not useful. <laughs> I, I, it could be useful if there was, uh, for some reason, I needed to memorize some numbers, an address or whatever. It, it is helpful for that, sure. Um, but my point is, like, it's been a decade since I did that. And my wife randomly asked me about it the other day. And I was able to fully explain to her, like, how to go about doing it. I don't have Pi memorized anymore. But if I spent, you know, I could I could do it in a week and have it rememorized. So it, the, my point is, by learning these types of things, you don't have to become a master in it, but they'll stick with you. And later, when you do need to pull them back up and use them, you may not be perfect at it, but it's enough to get you going that at least you're not, you're definitely not unconsciously incompetent. You're not even consciously incompetent. You are consciously competent and you can use those skills in the moment when, when the time comes that they're needed. Yeah. And I think this brings up another point. It makes me think of something that happened actually just this last weekend. I was with a friend and his extended family has a cabin by a local lake and we went there um, and he needed to turn on the fireplace. It's like a little gas fireplace, but there are several steps to it. You have to like go down in the basement and turn this knob and then you come up and you press this button and you've got to adjust this and then you get the clicker going right to light the pilot light right all these things and what he had done the last time that he was at that cabin which was several months ago is he had like taken the time to learn how to do it all and he wrote it down and he had a guide that was right there so now this time he was able to just follow that and it took him like one or two minutes now, he didn't have to be so unconsciously competent that, like, he could sleepwalk and and turn on the gas fireplace. That wouldn't be necessary. But he took the time to learn it and condense it into a format where he doesn't have to remember it. Um, but he's he has basically made an extension of his brain by by collecting that information and putting it in a place where it will be useful. I think that's an awesome example because we're not going to remember everything. And even some things, like some things we may not even need to learn because we're only ever going to have to use it once. And as long as we do have that in, those instructions in front of us, we can utilize that. So um, if we're trying to gain the asset right of knowledge about how to do something, that could be as simple as printing it out, 
the instructions for how to do it, saving it on a hard drive somewhere. Um, I don't know, whatever that, whatever that looks like, but you're basically just storing knowledge for later in the moment that you're going to need it. Yeah. So let me give you an example of where that definitely wouldn't be the right approach. So, uh, Corey, you've heard me talk about this, but a couple of years ago I was, uh, driving on the interstate, uh, a car in front of me, it was nighttime. The car started drifting, drifted a, across a couple of lanes, hit the barrier. You know, they'd been traveling 80 miles per hour, flew in the air and the car, you know, crashed and tumbled and rolled. And so I was there as, as one of the first people on the scene. And in the end, it was, everything was so smashed that first responders had to come use, you know, jaws of life and it, just to be able to get access to this person who had fallen asleep at the wheel and was unconscious. But that was an experience for me where I realized I need to learn at like emergency, like how, how first aid, right? How, how to be able to intervene in a situation like this and save somebody's life if I need to. Now, I'll be honest, that's one of the things that's part of my plan of action because I still haven't done that. Like, but, but it wouldn't make sense for me to go create a guide on how to do CPR, right? In, in that moment, like I'm not going to want to have to go find that or pull it up and read through it. I need to know it in that, in that very moment. Right. So certain skills, we do need them to become reflexive, right? We need them to be, we need to be unconsciously competent. Others, we can, we, we definitely don't need to go that far. Yeah, really well said. We only have so much capacity in our brain to remember certain things. So it's important to prioritize what is it that we're a trying to memorize, um, whether it's a set of instructions, um, right, a step by step for how to do CPR. Some of those will want to internalize some of them, we, it's okay to write down and have in the appropriate place for when it's going to be needed. Maybe starting a fire for Frederica here, she's going to want to learn the steps and how to do it and make sure that she's competent enough to be able to do it. Um, but it also doesn't hurt for to, for her to write those steps down so that in the moment she also has that refresher and is able to do it. But she doesn't have to dedicate the next three years of her life solely to figuring out and becoming this master. She's not going to go on Survivor and, and try and win by being the first one to burn the, the rope if you've seen Survivor and then you have to start a fire by hand. And like she doesn't need to do that, right? This kind of brings up the next step, by the way, which is when you are um, – this kind of goes back to the plan of action, but – it's good to have that first base level of your skill and what you're trying to learn and accomplish. So for maybe for Frederica to start a fire, she's not going to learn how to start a fire um, with like Flint, right? She's she's going to learn how to start how to how to properly set up the fuel for a fire, no matter what her um, her source is. So if she's going to use a lighter, right, she's going to have lighters around her house. That's a smart way to do it. Um, to have lighters or, or matches, that's sort of the first the easiest go-to. Now, maybe she's going to eventually one day worry that she'll, she'll find herself in a situation where she's without lighters or without matches, right? So now at that point, after she's mastered at least how to start the fire with those things, then she can take it a step further and say, I should probably learn how to start a fire without those things and know sort of what the methods are, and maybe become proficient at it. But when she first sets her goal, she doesn't have to go that far. Yeah. Does that make sense what kind of what I'm getting at there? Yeah, kind of start with level one, right? Like start with beginner skills, then you can move to intermediate, then you can move to level hard or expert. Yeah, you know, she doesn't need to know how to do the most difficult way of starting a fire. Right. Start with the easiest way of starting a fire and make sure you've got that down first. Because usually the easiest way is going to also be the most likely way. It's it's less likely that she'll ever have to start a fire without the use of any of those things. It's possible, but it would be silly for her to jump right to that when she likely has some of these these simply gained assets of like a lighter or a box of matches. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've gone through the first step, which is to set a goal. The second step, which is to understand your level of competency and work your way through that um, through those four competencies. Now, working your way through those four competencies 
by doing what we just did, you're basically going through the other steps of the main framework, which is basically just to make a plan for learning with your concrete steps or milestones, then go through the process of learning, which we talked about, and then the step five would be practicing. Step six in the process is to refine, uh, to iterate, to perfect, right? You can become really good at something, but even the best in the world at something are never just done. They're always continuously improving and getting better. So there may be some skills where you do specialize, right? Or where you become very proficient. If it is your goal, for example, and you say, I want to like have a fully self-reliant homestead. I want to do permaculture. And, and, and that's a very large goal that will take up much of your time and energy. But perhaps this is one of those goals where you are able to master it. But if your entire livelihood, your entire um, well-being relies on you to be able to do that, then it's something that you should always be continually improving on, getting better and better at. Um, and and there's no reason to ever stop learning how to do something when it is your number one priority. Well said. And I love that there. This is this is something where there's like endless runway. There's always more that we can be doing. We can always be getting better at the skills that we have. We can always be, um, you know, maybe trying to fill the gaps that aren't quite as important once we have first filled the ones that are vital. I think about something like, um, you know, Microsoft Excel or, or Google Sheets or whatever, just on a computer being able to use a spreadsheet. And one aspect of resiliency is being like financially resilient and, and we'll get into that in the future, but oftentimes just to be able to run through different scenarios of this or that, like, what if I use my money this way or interest rates or whatever, like having the skill to be able to create the formulas in a program like that is a vital skill. I personally am terrible at, uh, you know, Excel or, or sheets being able to uh, do all the things that I need to. And it's one of those things where like start, start with that level one, get that basic proficiency. And I love that I can build up to the point where I feel like I need it. I feel like I feel comfortable and there's still a long ways to go. If I want to become more and more and more of an expert, or I can then use my energy and time to go focus on this other skill that I also need. Exactly. Yeah. A few other items, I think just to mention sort of as like they're not necessarily steps in the process, but just bonus things to think about. So um, one is keep records. We sort of sort of talked about that already. Um, both of your progress, and it's also a place to organize the learning materials to refer back to later. I like to, when I learn a new skill, um, open up whether that is like a, a Google Doc or an Excel sheet um, or, you know, I don't know. There's all sorts of notes keeping apps out there where you can say like, okay, here's the skill that I'm learning and here's all the resources that I used to learn it. And here are my notes about um, what I learned along the way. And, and that way, yeah, maybe for now um, we feel like we get competent enough in it and then years pass by and now we want to go back and refresh on that skill. Well, we can go back and learn from the same sources that we learned the first time, which is going to help trigger um, those memories of, of how, you know, what we learned the first time around instead of learning from a whole new source or having to go and like Google it all over again. We've got all that information there. We put in the time and the effort to find good sources or good resources originally. So keep on, keep holding on to those um, so you can access them again. Um, take breaks. It's important not to, again, burn out, um, especially on a specific topic. If you find yourself trying to learn a skill or just learn about something and it's really cooking your brain and you can't quite wrap your mind around on it, there's no problem in saying, I'm going to step back from this for a week, right? And then I'll come back and try this again. And usually when you come back to it with that fresher perspective, you're going to understand it better um, and you're, you're not going to resent it or burn out from it. Um, so find a mentor. Uh, we, we kind of talked about working one-on-one -on -one with somebody, even if it's not somebody who knows that specific thing really well, like you said, it's keeping accountable. And, you know, if, if I want to learn something and I'm telling you, Hey, I'm trying to become good at pickleball. And then you ask me in a few weeks, how's the pickleball 
learning going and I say, oh, I gave up on that, like you're more likely to help keep me motivated to keep wanting to work on it so I can report back to you like I learned this new trick or this skill and I'm really progressing in these ways. So either having a mentor or somebody to just um, to bounce things off of. Visualize your progress and success. I think it's important to be able to look back on something and say, this is where I started. I started in this unconsciously incompetent zone and now I'm competent in it. It's important to to not just look at all the things that you want to learn how to do to become resilient and just constantly feel like you haven't done enough. It's super important to look back and say, look at what I have done. Three months ago, I didn't know how to do skill A, B, or C, or D, and now I feel pretty confident. I can start that fire, right? Um, whatever else it is, I, I now feel like I can do those things well. I am that much closer to becoming resilient. That is a success. Now let's move on to the next thing. If you're only looking at what you haven't done, you're never going to feel like you're you're successful because there's always going to be things you haven't done. Like you said, there's always more that you can do. So don't just look at what you haven't done yet. Make sure to pat yourself on the back for the good things that you're doing. Yeah, and I think you've mentioned a couple of different aspects there because part of it is, you know, if you're ever on a hike, like going up a mountain, Usually you feel like, oh, I haven't gone that far. This is so hard. But then you turn around and look back and you see how far you've come and it's very motivating. It helps you push forward. But I also like the idea of, you know, visualizing kind of the end state, like what it's going to be like once you have reached that point. Um, you know, at one point I realized I needed to be a little more prepared when it comes to water and my plan, at least my first step was just to have some water storage. But even that to me was pretty intimidating because I was like, I don't know how long I can store the water and in what type of container and how do I make sure it stays sanitized? And am I going to have to boil it later or add chemicals to it? Like, I don't know how any of that works. And so I was uh, kind of getting overwhelmed by even just the process of learning how to store water. But at the time, there was a, I think there was some sort of a news article or a story that had made me feel a little bit anxious, like, oh, what if I didn't have water? And I was able to just think, like, what is it going to feel like when I have that peace of mind, like when I have all this water stored and I know how to use it? And it gave me this sense of excitement, like just visualizing that desired outcome and actually arriving there, I think really helped motivate me in another way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the same way with that exact same example with water. I, you know, it's not like I'm not to a spot where I could survive for months without city water, but even just having like a 50 gallon barrel of water, suddenly it's just like, ugh, like there's this, each little thing that you do provides you with a sense of relief, but you have to let, you have to let yourself realize that and think about that and, and cherish <laughs> that peace of mind that it does give you and then like you said use it as a motivator to get working on the next one because it's just going to offer you that much more peace and not just the peace of mind but one day it will become practically usable right it will likely become something that you actually need and man will you be glad that you have it yeah one last thought as, as we're talking through all of this a lot of the point of going through a framework like this is to, to figure out how to do it, like how to work smarter, not just harder, how to make the most of our time so that we can learn things the fastest or the best. But either way, like whether you're working smarter or harder or both, there is going to have to be work involved. And that's the thing that keeps coming to mind as we talk through, you know, take the time to like assess where your skills are at and then kind of outline a plan for yourself and being able to step through that and, and go through the resources that you have to learn the things that you need to, like all of that takes conscious effort. It, it you have to be deliberate. And, uh, I think most people spend any free time that they have just watching like reality TV, which by the way, if you watch reality TV, that's fine. Right. <laughs> But the point is like most people aren't going to be deliberate and actually put forth effort in these areas. But if you don't put forth effort, 
these skills, the the knowledge, the assets, it's not just all going to fall in your lap. Like if you really want to be prepared, you have to be willing to, to actually work for it. Well said. Resilience isn't, isn't going to be given to you. It's not something that happens to you, right? You have to go out and fight for it. And most people aren't. Most people aren't doing that. Um, which is why we've said some of the most basic things you can do will probably put you far ahead of, of the people around you, which isn't something to celebrate that you're ahead of other people, but it does make you that much more ready when something strikes and puts you in that much more of a place to help other people when it does. I'm, I'm really excited, Kellen, to keep going. We're almost through the framework. We've got one more step in the framework to go, and then we're going to dive in and start getting more detailed. Which is, by the way, the next step is one that I'm perhaps most excited about. Like a lot of what we've talked about up to this point is is stuff that you you can find to some degree or another all over the place. But we're going to be talking about community. And that's where I think our approach differs a lot from others, where we don't just want to be personally prepared in isolation, actually being able to have that community resilience is extremely important. So I'm glad we're, we're now to the point where we're going to get to talk more about that. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manis and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Presson Falsies. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.